You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, John Bush here with Live Free Academy. And today I want to do a special report, a response video to a interview between Dr. Mercola and Catherine Austin Fitz about cryptocurrency. The whole interview was about solutions, what's going on in the financial world, but they spent about 12 or 13 minutes talking specifically about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And the reason I wanna do this, there's a lot of people that reached out to me from our cryptocurrency community group on Telegram, an exclusive group for uh, folks that have done a cryptocurrency workshop with me in the past. There are people that have been emailing me on our Freedom Cells email list on my Lip Free Academy newsletter. And people are like, hey, John, you guys talk a lot about Bitcoin and why it's a valuable thing and it'll help us overcome the CBDCs and it's a great wealth play. Uh, but now I'm hearing from Catherine Austin Fitz and Dr. Mercola, both who have a very good reputation in our community, our freedom space, they're against it. So let me break down. We're going to play the video. I'm going to try to be sharp too so this doesn't go on and on because I could respond to this all day long. But we're going to play the video. We're going to pause it and then I'm going to give you my response and hopefully it'll help you to gain a better perspective of the varying different viewpoints when it comes to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I will say I have a very high respect for Catherine Austin Fitz and I just think she misses the mark when it comes to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and is doing her audience a disservice by encouraging them to avoid it because I think there's a lot of potential not only to protect and preserve wealth with Bitcoin, uh, but also to avoid central bank digital currencies and create an environment where we can keep payments going online amongst our freedom community with cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and especially privacy coins like Monero. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and get down to this video. I'll provide links to it as well so you can watch the whole thing uh, if you want at your leisure. Here we go. So in a previous interview with you, you surprised me with your view on um, crypto. Cryptocurrencies. Right. Right. And since that interview, I've come to understand that you were spot on, couldn't be more correct. And that, you know, for those who, who most people know about cryptos now, especially Bitcoin, which is the, the first cryptocurrency, right. it was developed by Satoshi Nakamoto. That is, the story goes, is was, was a brilliant guy, figured this thing out, then gifted it to the world and then disappeared. Right. That is a fantasy and a myth. I'm mm -hmm. convinced that he never existed. And Satoshi, realistically, is military intelligence. Right. It's the, it, 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 this that's, is their tools. It, it was, that's right. That's one of the, that's the logical explanation, I'm sure. I'm highly confident that's correct. But I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm, I'm at a 99.9% .9 degree of confidence on this. Yeah. Right. So that that bodes. So it's so. What do you? What's your projections for this, guys? It seems like they're going to let it go again. I mean, we're in the winter now. It's going into the the point where the Bitcoin having and, and probably it's suspected that crypto will increase again. But that doesn't mean it's a long term play. It is not something you're going to carry on for generations. It has a limited lifespan. All right. Okay. 
Okay, let's uh, unpack this a little bit. First of all, Satoshi Nakamoto, he, she, they, or them, that is the pseudonym for whoever created Bitcoin. Now, a lot of people will say it's the New World Order, it's the NSA. And in all honesty, you know, the fact that we don't know who created it creates a bit of mystery. And oftentimes when people don't know something, especially if people have a worldview that the New World Order is all powerful, talk about that more here in a second, uh, they have a tendency to fill in the gaps. Oh, something happened on this planet. We don't understand it. It must be the New World Order, right? That's not always the logical progression that people take, but there is a tendency to believe that the New World Order is omnipotent, all-powerful, and therefore something like this couldn't possibly come along unless they created it. Well, if you take the time to research the genesis of Bitcoin and the cypherpunk community that had been experimenting with digital payments and seeking to create a decentralized digital money for the internet for many, many years before Bitcoin was actually invented, you come to realize that what's more likely than Bitcoin being created by military intelligence is that Bitcoin was born out of this movement known as the cypherpunks a group of people that were experimenting with various technologies. Many of those technologies actually became a part of Bitcoin. Let me just show you this quick chart. Apologies if it's difficult to read here. Uh, we can actually probably zoom in with my trusty software here. So this is Bitcoin and the rise of cypherpunks, right? So as early as the mid 70s, right? We had cryptography being created and invented, public keys as identities, Linked time stamping uh, in 1980, David Shom, digital cash, blind signatures for untraceable payments. So these are represented papers, uh, different technologies, different pieces of software, right? Proof of work came along, uh, looks like in 1992. Proof of work, of course, is the consensus mechanism that allows Bitcoin to be decentralized and to have a community of people that verify transactions, right? You had smart contracts, Nick Sasbo in 1997, peer-to-peer -peer networks with BitTorrent, right? And so you got Hal Finney working on stuff, Adam Back as well. So there's this whole evolution an effort in order to create digital money. And as you can see, many of the key features of Bitcoin, if you understand Bitcoin, if you read the Bitcoin white paper, they were being experimented with by a large group of people that were working in concert in many times on different forums and list serves in order to try to pull this off. Now, as you can see, there was an NSA white paper, How to Make a Mint in 1996. A lot of people point that as evidence that the NSA is the one behind Bitcoin. Uh, but if you read the paper, it's not what Bitcoin is. There's, there's, no, there's many key features lacking that was the invention of Bitcoin. So what I think to be far more likely than military intelligence invented Bitcoin, is that Bitcoin was invented by one or a group of these cypherpunks. The Bitcoin white paper even references many of these different papers and technologies that I just showed you on this chart, okay? I'll include this chart. There's other charts that illustrate this as well. But when you go into it, you're just listening to Mercola or Catherine Austin Fitz or reading some article or watching some reel on Instagram. That's There was this reel where this guy's like, I know what uh, the Shitoshi Nakamoto means this and that, and here's the NSA paper, and that's what Bitcoin is, blah, blah, blah. It's like, now, if you actually read the Bitcoin white paper, if you understand the technology underlying Bitcoin, and then you compare it to that NSA paper, or more importantly, you compare it to this history, this rich history of cypherpunks, 
internet geeks, technologists, encryption enthusiasts experimenting to try to create a decentralized internet money, you find that it's extremely likely that Bitcoin was born out of this movement, not born out of military intelligence. And I can appreciate that Mercola says he's 99.99% sure this is what the case is, right? But one thing that I, I take, um, that I'm not very fond of, as Catherine Austin Fitz continues this interview, she starts to speak as though it's a fact that that it's controlled and that it's that it's Mr. Globalist that created it, right? So let's carry on uh, with, and, and you know, Mercola says this isn't something that's going to last forever. It's not going to be an intergenerational thing. I would argue, to, I, I believe that's not going to be the case. I believe that it's most definitely going to be a long-term digital asset likened to a digital gold that will create many opportunities to build intergenerational wealth. But if you completely miss the boat on that because you're listening to these types of interviews and taking it as fact, um, then you miss out on a lot of opportunity for wealth building. All right, let's continue on. Oh, I just lost my place there. Sorry about that. Let's continue on. We were here. Basically, is military intelligence. Right. Carry on for generations. It has a limited lifespan. A well, it, you know, it depends on how they go to total control. There, there are many different scenarios of how they could go to total control. Just talking, if I were in their shoes, I would not... I would continue to pump and dump crypto mm -hmm. and use crypto. I wouldn't close it down yet. Okay. The, so you the, think it might be around for a few more years? Yeah, I think it might be around. Well, at least it, it depends on how their rollout of complete control works with fast payments or CBDC or the other things they're doing. But as long as, uh, you know, they have the ability currently to assert complete control and shut it down or so marginalize it, mm -hmm. you know, cut off the oxygen to it. Yeah, and they, it, it's yeah. okay. So, a couple things. One, it Bitcoin's being pumped and dumped by Mr. Globalist or the New World Order or these powerful financial elites. Now, there is manipulation in Bitcoin, like there is in every market. But as the market cap of Bitcoin, that's the number of units in circulation times the value of each unit equals the market cap. It's the same thing as getting a market cap for a business. The number of shares or stocks that are issued times the value of each stock is the market cap or the overall value of the business. As that number grows, and it's currently around 700 billion or so or more, it, it gets harder and harder to manipulate. Now, guys, stocks, bonds, all, well, bonds are less volatile, but there's all sorts of different markets that are manipulated. That's what a market is. It's people that are buying and selling, and then some people try to run game, this and that, right? So I'm not going to say that there isn't manipulation taking place in the Bitcoin space. I'm not going to say that there aren't pump and dumps in cryptocurrency, especially smaller coins are more easily to, or easy to manipulate, but it's becoming increasingly difficult to manipulate uh, Bitcoin and definitely something to be aware of. Now, the other challenge here is a lot of that up and down can be overcome by dollar cost averaging, which Mercola mentions later in the interview. And I strongly, strongly take issue with Catherine Austin Fitz and then Mercola saying it's easy, that they can shut it down, they can control it, they could stop it whenever they want. This assumes omnipotence. It assumes that the predator class, Mr. Globalist, as Catherine Austin Fitz calls them, are, are all powerful and they could just shut something down. You gotta understand, Bitcoin is completely decentralized. Let me pull up this BitNodes map here. 
it's a decentralized network that has different nodes or computers that are running the Bitcoin blockchain that are all over the world. Okay, it's not just a United States phenomenon, it's global. And this number, 16,750 nodes, those are just the known nodes where their IP address is tracked. There's tons of people that are running nodes uh, using uh, VPNs and other ways to obscure their IP address. So literally, all of these countries would have to come in together in concert and ban Bitcoin collectively. But here's the deal. The nature of Bitcoin is such that even if a government bans it, it's still you still have the ability to use it. This is freedom money here. The Rebel Alliance didn't ask for permission to form their alliance and go blow up the Death Star, right? This is rebel money at its core, especially cryptocurrencies like Monero. The communist Chinese government banned Bitcoin mining and they're still mining. I think they drew that back. But during the time there was mining still going on in communist China. OK, not to mention, look, there's all these varying factors and um, incentives that are at play. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our freedom conspiracy community, especially the conspiracy community, we focus entirely on New World Order, control people, great reset, technocracy, right? But there's other factors at play. And you got to understand there's this game theory that governments have to take uh, into account. So for example, if the United States government were to make an, an effort to ban Bitcoin, then the innovation and the potential growth and the capital that comes with Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency space, it would be exported to the European Union, to China, a global competitor. In fact, there's this book by this uh, major, I think he's a major in the, in the army called uh, The Soft War. And it's all about the geopolitical implications of Bitcoin as a asset um, when countries are engaging in financial dominance over one another. So we see that the United States government is slowly but surely losing its position uh, as the United, with the United States dollar as a global reserve currency, right? And so that's all this stuff that needs to be considered by a government. Um, what if the government, the United States dollar is no longer the global reserve currency and another country is holding a lot of cryptocurrency or holding a lot of Bitcoin? Uh, what if countries start doing international trade with Bitcoin, right? You got to understand it's not such an easy thing to control, okay? There's many, many factors. And I always ask, and Catherine Austin Fitz has a theory about why this hasn't happened, I would presume, because she shares her big theory about why they're pushing Bitcoin and pushing retail Bitcoin. Um, if they could shut it down, why haven't they shut it down? And then back to the original thing, uh, Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto's military intelligence. I tell you what, I, when you look at the motives and it's like, okay, let's assume that it is, does that help the cause of tyranny or does it hurt? And to create private money, decentralized money, stateless money, that you can do cross-border payments, that you can hold wealth, that Russian citizens can take their wealth before it gets confiscated or before there's all these uh, financial sanctions put in place. They could put it into Bitcoin. They could write down their seed phrase. They could travel with the Ledger hardware wallet or whatever. They could remember their seed phrase and then travel across borders without the government being any wiser Right? You can understand the IRS expects you to claim over $10,000 if you travel with it. You got to let them know, hey, I got a bunch of money. Here's why I got it. You can get the Department of Treasury to open an investigation or maybe the TSA can fill out a suspicious activity report if I try to not answer your questions. 
right? A stack of $10,000, that's a good chunk of money, especially if you're trying to fly with 100,000 or 200,000 or leave the country with millions of dollars. That's not the case with Bitcoin. It's permissionless money. You don't need permission in order to transact. It's something to be aware of. Now, it does have a transparent blockchain, but as you know, if you've done any courses with me, there's many different ways to buy Bitcoin privately, to transact in Bitcoin privately, to not have to scan your driver's license in order to onboard into the space. Not to mention Bitcoin was merely the first cryptocurrency. There's since been many numerous innovations on top of that, most of them garbage and junk that should be avoided, but we do have privacy coins like Monero, for example, or Zcash that allow you to engage in completely private transactions. And these are going to be the tools that our freedom community leverages in order to continue to do business with one another, especially online, as the central bank digital currency system rolls out. But if you're going to listen to Catherine Austin Fitz and Dr. Dr. Mercola with their theories and their speculation, you're doing yourself a great disservice because you're going to miss out on the opportunity to learn this new technology, which will enable us to do business with one another. So I strongly, strongly disagree with this idea that Bitcoin can be so easily shut down it was next to impossible to shut down. And if it shuts down over here, it's going to grow stronger over here. If it, Even if they make it illegal, you and I can still do it. And there's plenty of ways to encrypt our communications and to use a VPN and to use it privately where the government is none the wiser. Okay, let's continue on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy for them to assert control. And until then, they can continue to pull money out of precious metals and real and hard assets by encouraging retail to go into crypto, mm -hmm. number one, but they can also prototype lots of different technologies and methods with crypto. I mean, the brilliance of what they did with crypto is they got all the freedom fighters and hackers in the software mm -hmm. world, or yes. many of them, to figure everything out for them and do it for free. Okay. so. Her big theory is that, and why they haven't shut it down yet, is that they're trying to encourage people to put their money into Bitcoin so they don't buy hard assets like gold and land. She gets into that here in a little while. Now, I'm not Bitcoin 110% all the way. You should only be invested in Bitcoin. I'm also a land guy. We recently bought a 10-acre homestead. We're trying to buy a 355-acre uh, intentional community that we can develop. So I'm all about land. I'm all about gold. But for her to say that they're encouraging retail now, mind you, now there's a lot of exposure and they're talking about it on CNBC and Squawk Box and Fox Business Channel, all this stuff. But it wasn't very long ago and still to this day, it's completely marginalized and was looked at as this redheaded stepchild speculative risky asset. You can go see how many times they said Bitcoin was dead to avoid it. It's used to buy drugs on the Silk Road. So it's not exactly being encouraged. It is in some ways and cer certainly sometimes something reaches such a critical mass that it can't be ignored. And now we see BlackRock and large financial institutions getting involved. Could There could be an attempt to control it, but I would think more likely what's taking place. And again, this huge mindset piece, it's a giant mindset shift. If you believe Mr. Globalist is all powerful and can control things to the point where they can shut down Bitcoin anytime they want and they're only allowing it to be around so we can encourage people to buy Bitcoin instead of gold and land, it's projecting an air of omnipotence onto the New World Order. And if that's the way that you feel, I believe that is a very you're going to be coming at life from a place of weakness and defeat, that they're just so all-powerful. I believe, to the contrary, that Bitcoin and encryption technology and even the internet in many ways represents a giant chink in their armor. They're losing 
They're losing control. They're not in total control where they can shut something down anytime they want. They are losing control and Bitcoin and the decentralized technologies that have come from it, like the ability to do decentralized file sharing, BitTorrent, which was before Bitcoin, a predecessor to Bitcoin, allows you to share information and digital files that are decentralized and distributed on a bunch of computers. It can't be shut down. There's decentralized video hosting platforms and programs that allow you to take a video and put it in, on the blockchain and it can't be eliminated or removed. These are all beautiful things. And I believe that BlackRock and Blackstone or Vanguard that are trying to push into the Bitcoin space, that to me is a symbol that we are winning, that the old financial legacy institutions, including the United States dollar, are losing, losing value, losing prominence, losing integrity, losing respect of other big financial players. And people are seeing Bitcoin as a flight to safety, as Larry Fink called it, right? Now, politics and financial markets make for strange bed bedfellows, but I am choosing, because of the way that I see the world, to be optimistic, not to be naive, not to hedge my bets, not to put every single thing that I have into Bitcoin, but not to believe that the government is so damn powerful, the New World Order is so powerful, they'll shut anything down because I see how Bitcoin operates. I see how it's been injected into this world. And I see how it's extremely, extremely, extremely difficult, if not impossible, to completely eliminate and wipe off the scene. So she says the big trick was that they're getting free innovation, right, for CBDCs and such. Central bank digital currencies, 99% of them aren't, don't have anything to do with blockchain technology. It's a centralized database where they're issuing their own coins, essentially. It's going to be a slow, gradual evolution of the old into the new, but it's not going to be decentralized and it's not necessarily going to be blockchain technology. And for them to say that they're playing a bunch of freedom people and a bunch of techno geeks and hackers, they made a lot of those people rich. And I was around in the beginning. I didn't get rich off of Bitcoin because I had Bitcoin come in, but then I would always spend it because I didn't have a huge income. We lived off of Bitcoin for a little while. But I know a lot of freedom people, a lot of anarchists that did get extremely rich and they're using that money to help spread the cause and spread uh, the, the message of freedom and to create new technologies and to invest in businesses that are massive disruptors of the status quo. So quite the contrary, these hackers and these freedom people that got involved in Bitcoin early didn't get played. They benefited immensely and they're continuing to to this day. Let's get back to it. Great. As mm -hmm. long as they just poured some money into pump and dump the thing. So it was a very, very clever strategy. And, you know, the important thing to understand, if we had a free, um, if we had a free world and a, a world dedicated to freedom, we would absolutely use Bitcoin and cryptos. Mm -hmm. we, we would want an analog and a digital system and we would want private currencies both you know both something like bitcoin or community currencies mm -hmm. so you know so if you're looking at this and thinking about an ideal financial system you know your immediate reaction is i love bitcoin bitcoin's mm -hmm. great what's what's not to love about bitcoin 100 <laughs> percent. i'm sorry but that's frustrating that whole thing like for one thing, we do have a free world. The status quo and the default is freedom, harmony in nature, right? There's a perversion of that by these New World Order predator class and the government status that manipulate and coerce things, right? But we do have a default of freedom. And so the logic here is like, if we had a free society, this would be great, but we don't, so we should avoid it because it because the, the New World Order and Mr. Globalist are so powerful that there's gotta be a play here. Again, that's doing such a disservice to everybody that listens and buys this up and gobbles it up because 
we have the power to create the free society that we all yearn for. And here we have a financial system. Here we have a decentralized technology that enables us to do permissionless payments. That means we can make payments with one another. There's nothing the government can do to stop us. I've been sipping on some Kratom here during the little interviews that we're playing. The government is a plant medicine, natural remedy made from the powderized leaves of the Kratom evergreen tree. Government doesn't like this plant. It's illegal in six states, completely legal in all the other states. I've had my PayPal account, two PayPal accounts, Stripe account for Brave Botanical shut down. I've had Square shut down. I've had multiple just terminal credit card processors. I was removed from my bank for selling Kratom and CBD. So. Here we have a genuine use case scenario where I can accept Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies and there's nothing the government can do about it whatsoever. I'm benefiting from cryptocurrency immensely right now because of just that. So to say that, oh, it'd be great if we had, you know, a freedom in the world, then we could actually use it and benefit from it because it would be good to have a digital and an analog system. And I'm all about that trade, barter, gold, silver, community coins, time bank, whatever the heck, and a digital decentralized cryptocurrency. Guys, let's build the free society. Let's take power into our own hands. Let's take responsibility to build this world and not just yield and give up the territory to our enemies. Oh, we don't have a free society. Therefore, Bitcoin's probably controlled by the New World Order. Uh, therefore, we shouldn't try to engage in order to spread its growth and in order to teach people how to use it in order to buy from our friends with it. We should just yield because, you know, we don't have a free society. I strongly object to that. It's a mindset thing as well, folks. I want to encourage you to believe, believe, have faith in humanity, but don't just sit on the sidelines, play an active role. And that's what you can do to help spread this incredible technology. Use it now. It has a lot of benefit. Let's get back to it. Right. So, so there's no... You know, my objection is not to Bitcoin. Um, my objection is to is to an all digital system because that is what affords control. Mm -hmm. And my objection is I'm constantly seeing Bitcoin potentially used to help advantage the bad guys. Yeah. And 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 so you see a lot of great, wonderful people being harmed with the pump and dumps. So I, I don't Okay, so you know, in some ways, there's a paradox too. The digital gives you greater freedom and gives them less control when it's decentralized and encrypted, as opposed to having something physical or analog, which can be taken or confiscated by force, i.e. gold. Let's not forget that that happened in the United States' history. When all the gold was confiscated, you had to turn it into the Federal Reserve. Of course, you didn't have to turn it in, pretend you don't have it. But if they had a record that you did have it, they could send goons to your place. And even if you had a safe, the safe can be cracked open and then you could take the gold with cryptocurrency because it's digital, which some people see as a liability. But there's this thing where you take a liability and turn it into an asset. If it's encrypted, if you remember the seed phrase, that value, that wealth doesn't have to be anywhere else. That's also a liability. It doesn't have anything. It's just, it's not anything physical. That's a liability. That's a problem. Maybe if you flip the script in the way that you think about it, maybe that's an asset because it means that it's unconfiscatable. 
okay? Now, and I'm all with Catherine. She says to avoid the pump and dumps. People are getting hurt. I most definitely don't think you should buy high and sell low. Um, later on in the interview, they talk about dollar cost averaging. So you're just buying, you know, 10 bucks a day, 100 bucks, 200 bucks every 15th of the month, whatever, 100 bucks a day if you want to go even bigger, whatever it may be, it overcomes the the ups and downs. And I'm somebody that believes in long-term holding, holding on for dear life. Uh, now they get into a little bit more about how uh, elites are moving away from bonds and certain markets and going into physical assets. And that she thinks that Bitcoin is, a, is moving people away from that. Um, and encouraging them to buy something digital. So I'm all about land, gold, physical assets, investing in businesses, investing in infrastructure, tractors for your farm or whatever. Don't get me wrong there, I'm all about it. But I don't think that the purpose of Bitcoin or the reason why it hasn't been shut down is some big scheme in order to manipulate people away from buying those hard assets. So uh, we just have a little bit more time. Let me just play the last bit of the interview here. Uh, and then I'll leave you with some final words. I want to thank you so much for watching here today. Let's pick up right here. ...to how control is affected in a financial situation. Because I was targeted, you know, they tried to set me up on a phony frame of financial fraud. So... Uh, Somebody's got to use the studio here in just a second, but she did also talk about the custodian issue. She has a great understanding of the custodian issue being a financial advisor. And then um, Dr. Mercola talks about FTX. That was the big exchange that completely got shut down. It was a Fugazi. So by all means, if you're going to invest in Bitcoin, it is imperative that you self-custody your cryptocurrency. I have all sorts of courses where we teach that every single time. It's like the foundation of my teaching when it comes to Bitcoin is to hold on to it, not to use it as a get rich quick, hold on to it, stash it away, buy some slowly but surely over time, and most importantly, learn to use it. But self-custody is critical. If you're just coming to uh, Libfree Academy, by the way, uh, you can sign up for our email newsletter, libfree.academy slash email, libfree.academy slash email. We have a multitude of different cryptocurrencies uh, that can help you get onboarded in this space. But uh, let me finish off her little interview. And again, if you want to watch the full thing, I'll drop the links there for you here uh, in the show notes. Liberties that people in the rest of the world don't experience or know. Yeah, that so, custodian issue was the crux of what happened with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and right. Uh, uh, right. a few others that were right. involved. So, I mean, they, they, it was all related to the custodian issue. And and, right. and there was a lot of people were fooled by it. They, they didn't do your deep dive and due diligence that you did and had your training and background to understand this was a serious issue. Well, but part of it, it's funny because I, you know, I like to look at things from Mr. Global's point of view and, and understand things from Mr. Global's point of view. And, um, you know, I was raised to have a lot of empathy with Mr. Global's point of view, so it helps me do it. But um, one of the things that was very clear once the financial crisis hit um, was that the debt growth model was coming to an end and the race was on to get the hard assets. In other words, you want the land, you want the precious metals, you want the water, you want the minerals. It's really funny, when I went to, the Sunday after 9-11, I went to this wonderful church in Hickory Valley, Tennessee. He's got a fabulous pastor named Melvin Bufri. There's one more comment or so that I wanna put on here. Uh, let me see. She talks about, she did a bunch of research. She reached out to some financial guys. They researched it for a hundred hours, but I still, I mean, that's kind of an appeal to authority. I could use the same thing. I've been using cryptocurrency and been researching it literally for 10 years, well over a hundred hours, but nonetheless, the facts are the facts. It's decentralized. 
it's not correct that it's so easily controlled. It would have already gotten shut down. Mr. Globalist doesn't love it. There's definitely some plays and manipulations that are taking place, but for the longest time, all the largest financial institutions and the bankers and the IMF and the Bank of International Settlements, they have been attacking Bitcoin left and right. They don't like it. It causes them to shake in their boots because it represents the loss of control. There was a final statement that I wanted to draw up here that she says. Let me see where it is. I was doing a research work with a firm in the city of London, and right afterwards I called them and I said, you, you got to get a load of this. And, and of course, their next newsletter was the title was Rush Hour Cometh. But, you know, from especially after the financial crisis, it started with 9-11 and the move in of the army into the Middle East. We moved our reserves out of dollars and into gold, um, distribution companies. And so so you see this shift into hard assets. So it's a no brainer that you would want to want to interest retail in digital assets to keep them out of the market. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. you want them to walk away from gold and buy Bitcoin because the last thing you want is the competition to buy up all right. that stuff. Yeah, and it sure. was it was so obvious. I, I always tell the story of when I was I went to Basel. I was in Basel and I drove by the BIS to go to the train station. This is when I was in the middle of the due diligence. So I go in 2017, and of course Bitcoin was not anywhere near as popular you know, at the beginning of 2017, as it was even the next year. And so so I go into the Swiss railway, you know, they have these machines where you buy your ticket on the Swiss mm-hmm. railway. It's just taking the train over to Zurich. And it offered me the opportunity to buy my Swiss railway ticket, you know, right next door to the BIS in Bitcoin and top off my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know, this is oh, not thanks. a grassroots. This is not a grassroots. Well, I, you know, I, I mean, I had no objection to buy if I'd had bit. All right, that's the last point she makes. She was next to the Bank of International Settlements in Zurich, and the railway offered her to buy her pass with Bitcoin. So, for her, that's more evidence that it's not grassroots. It's controlled. It's manipulated. So, I was around in the early grassroots day. Believe me. When all of the mainstream media faulted Bitcoin, it was money to buy drugs. It very much did grow in adoption thanks to grassroots. In fact, I traveled around the country multiple times, some of the times in what we call the Bitcoin bus, going from restaurant to restaurant that accepted Bitcoin store to store and putting on big activist meetups, uh, teaching people to use cryptocurrency. It very much was grown and born in the grassroots freedom and cypherpunk crypto anarchist movement. And that is the root of this technology. It is becoming more mainstream. There are elements of manipulation. There are large financial institutions that are starting to dive in. But I assure you, ladies and gentlemen, I have a firm understanding of this technology. The more of us that use it, the more of us that learn to use it and spread it and engage in actual financial transactions, the stronger the network becomes. The government can try to shut it down. They won't be able to. That some governments can make it illegal and try to ban it. It'll get exported and you and I can still continue to use it. So I want to encourage you to think objectively. I want to encourage you to cultivate an inner guidance system deep down in your gut. Because John says this, Catherine says that, people get frazzled when two people that they look up to and trust have a difference of opinion. But I want to encourage you to cultivate that truth from within. And here's the last thing. Oftentimes you can speculate about worst case scenarios 
So let's say that it is part of the New World Order and they're going to shut it down someday in the future or whatever. In the meantime, you people have been using it left and right in order to circumvent financial controls, myself included when it comes to Kratom. But I want to encourage you above all else to understand that the New World Order and the Predator class, the Cabal, Mr. Globalist, they are not all powerful. In fact, they're fragile, weak, and insecure. And the more of us that realize that and in turn step into our true power, leveraging the power of technology, especially decentralized technology, encryption, privacy tools, leveraging the power of community, connecting with other freedom lovers in order to trade outside the system and keep the currency flow going as the CBDC system gets rolled out. The more of us that step into that space, the greater the likelihood that we can build the free society that we all deserve. So no disrespect to Catherine Austin Fitz, love her work. Absolutely, she's an incredible force for good in this world. I definitely disagree with her perspective when it comes to cryptocurrency. And that's why I wanted to put this video together. I hope you guys got a lot out of it. If again, if you wanna stay in touch with me, you can join our email newsletter at libfree.academy slash email, libfree.academy slash email. Thanks so much.